Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. You're listening to the Archaeology Show. TAS goes behind the headlines to bring you the real stories about archaeology and the history around us. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Archaeology Show, episode 247. On today's show, we talk about Scandinavian archaeological news. Let's dig a little deeper. Don't forget your metal detector. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Chris Webster. And I'm Rachel Rudd. No, I don't, I don't like that one either. Are we a news show? <laughs> no. Don't we open this like a news show does? <laughs> Come on. Now, we can go back to our old way, where you ask me how it's going, even That's though you dumb. know exactly how it's going, because we literally live in each other's pockets. That is so stupid. Yeah. I don't like it. It's like disingenuously funny. Can we go with that? Yeah. Okay. I mean, we sure. literally just drove 500 miles together and then sat down and started doing a podcast. We did, but I don't think we spoke more than like maybe, you know, a hundred words or so that whole time. It was glorious. We, we go in our own little spaces when we're driving. Like yeah. I just put in podcasts and work and you're listening to whatever you're listening to and, you know, just interact when there's a stop that we have to get together on. Yeah. All right. Well, now we're going to do some uh, news stories. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't do any show for New Year's Eve just because, you know. It was New Year's Eve. And screw it. It's holidays. Yeah. It we were last so week with busy with the family. It was the last week. Yeah. And we were so sad to leave all of our, our little peoples and hit the road again. Although I'm yeah. very excited to be on the road now that we're like traveling and right. heading for warmer pastures. Right. Yeah. Hopefully not a pasture. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if it's boondocking, that might be okay, right? I mean, we're overnighting the KOA. It's kind of a pasture. Yeah. It kind of is. It's very grassy out there. Every time you come in, you like drag grass with you. I mean, not too much against KOA, but some of them are really nice and some of them are... Roadside stops. Garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Like I can hear the highway. I can see the highway. (laughs) That's what I was trying to say. I'm like, I don't really know who would want to come here to vacation. And that's what KOA is supposed to be. Like well, family vacations. It is near a big lake. It is very near so a lake. And it's probably, it was only like 45 bucks too, yeah. which is pretty cheap for well, an RV January. park. <laughs> it is January. I don't know why anybody would be here in Oklahoma, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's not good for recreating yeah. right now. It's way too cold. Anyway, anyway, that's enough about our travel stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, on the off chance that Sherry and Russ of the <laughs> Uh, RV Work-Life Balance podcast is listening to this. I don't know how big of fans they are of archaeology. I have to shout out because I finally caught up with their podcast. Uh-huh. So go listen to that if you're interested in their RV travels and, and how they work and live in an RV. They just started it last year. We met them at a what's called a convergence mm-hmm. in Las Vegas and uh, talked to podcasting and things like that. And I finally, again, caught up with their podcast. And the one they released in the end of November was talking about that convergence and Halloween. And, and they said some really nice things about us. And I, I just want to shout out to listen and say to thank it. You. Yeah. That so, was really sweet. No, it's a good show. It, it's just their story. And then they have some tips and tricks for, you know, how they get stuff done and, and mm-hmm. but still maintain the lifestyle. So it's good. So go listen to it. All right. 
So I had prepared a show actually for last week that we didn't do. So we've been thinking about a lot about this, but there's kind of a theme <laughs> yeah. and I didn't intend it until I finished the second article. I'm like, I need a third article. It's the same theme and it was easy to find. So it's kind mm-hmm. of like everything in the North and by North, I mean, Scandinavia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is the first show in 2024. So mm, I guess welcome happy, to the show if you're new, new year, so whatever, <laughs> I guess so. Anyway. Burying people in ships is something we've talked about before. We have. Sutton Who, Sutton Who, a yep. movie you guys might remember. Yep. I know I love that movie, and we definitely did an episode on it, as did several other shows on the network. So yep. we've got a lot of Sutton Who coverage on APN if you're interested in learning more about it. But basically, it was a ship that was buried as a... Tomb. As a tomb. As a casket. Yeah, for yeah. somebody of importance in a community. Yeah, now the Norwegians used to do that as well. And they did it as, well, before they were Norwegians. Yeah. And they did it in order to provide safe passage for the person in the afterlife that was dead. Mm-hmm. They literally used their ship. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. I just love that. It's like so much work and so much effort yeah. to give your loved one safe passage in the afterlife. It's just so much care and effort going into protecting your loved ones. Right. I love that. This is a 1300 year old ship burial. It was long suspected as one near the coastal community of Lekka, it's called. Mm-hmm. And they did some dating on it and it predates the Viking Age and is the oldest known ship burial in Scandinavia. Yeah, so crazy. I, didn't, I didn't see where like how it fits in ship burials in general. But yeah, I, in Scandinavia. I feel like the Sutton Who one is older, but that one's in England. So yeah. it's a different branch of people who were doing that over there. Yeah, this large grassy hill they were investigating is known as the Herlugshagen Burial Mound. <laughs> wow, yeah. that was aggressive. <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed like it needed to be pronounced that way. <laughs> it measured about 23 feet tall by 197 feet in diameter, so a pretty good sized hill. And you can see on the image that they just like put a road around it mm-hmm. and, and weren't farming it or anything, so they protected it somewhat. Mm-hmm. And given the size, like I said, they expected it to kind of be a ship. And I've just got a little comment here. Like, you might be thinking... Why don't they just dig up all the mounds in Norway or right. Scandinavia or anywhere in the world because they suspect them to be something? Well, you can't just always go around digging things up. Yeah. There's always either somebody somebody owns it and they just don't want you to. Mm-hmm. They just don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Or there's no money for it because people just don't dig for free. Right. Or there's no permitting for it. Maybe yep. there's some reason why you can't get in there. Maybe there's some bureaucracy or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you just can't go digging up everything you want. But I will tell you, when the apocalypse hits and we settle down <laughs> and we're in zombie life... I'm going to start doing some digging. Really? That's what you want to do with all your free Once time in, down, in the zombie apocalypse? I mean, why not? Who's going to care at that point? Yeah, I just true. want to know. I'll still document just in case somebody <laughs> finds my records. Okay. All right. You know, I'll have WildNote running on a solar powered iPad. So <laughs> Sure. All okay. those Amazon servers that it's run on will uh, have probably, died long ago. Yeah, those will be gone. No, so. Bezos has got that stuff running. Oh, you think so? Oh, yeah. Okay. There'll still be Amazon all servers. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that is an interesting point. You can't just dig anytime you want. Right. And another reason to is different from that it's it's that it's actually a really good idea to not dig everything right now as tempting as it might be because technology is constantly changing and the things that we can do in the future might really help us understand what is under the ground but we won't know that until the future and if if you dig it up, you're just you're effectively destroying it because archaeology is a destructive science, depending on what you're doing. So and, and I feel like that was more so true probably 20, 30 years ago. But I feel like as we're, you know, heading into 2024 here that people are wise to that. Yeah. They're wise to the future. Right? Yeah. And they're they're in general thinking about and hopefully collecting in a way that is 
you know, preserving certain aspects for later testing, right? Yeah. You know, sometimes sure. people are, you know, putting on the mask and the gloves and the and the, all the things to protect it and then saying, well, I don't know what people are going to do later, but let's put this in a vault, you know, yeah. so they can open it up and do something to it later. That's true. But I'm, I'm also like, what if there's things that we just can't possibly think of? What comes well, yeah. to mind is like when you have those giant pots that they can tell how old they are because of the oh. lack of sunlight underneath them. Yeah, but the, the second you, stating. yeah, the second you move the pot, you lose all that. So you, you have to take the sample before you move the pot. And like, Oh, if, that's witchcraft anyway. <laughs> but if you don't know to not do that, then like you're done and you can never do that kind of dating. Right. So anyway, right. just leave some for the future archaeologists. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Well, the team working on this was working on behalf of the Norwegian Directorate for Cultural Heritage, which sounds pretty fancy. Mm-hmm. They excavated part of the mound and found large rivets and pieces of wood consistent with a large vessel. So they're not quite fully done with it. Mm-hmm. Um, the carbon-14 dating of the wood that they did find showed that the mound was constructed around 700 CE. Now, they said mound was constructed because well the wood had to have been buried you know at some point when it was dated or before yeah right right. they don't really know much about the wood before that Mm -hmm. anyway this was during what's known as the merovingian period which i thought was only in matrix 2 but uh (laughs) no 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 (laughs) that's a real time yes that's from 550 to 800 ce and this precedes the viking era which dates from about 763 so kind of Overlaps mm-hmm. a little bit there to 1066. So the minute England said, we're here, Vikings were gone. <laughs> yeah. That is interesting, though, because this is still a seafaring culture, whether they're called oh, Vikings yeah. or not. So yeah. ships would have been very important to them. Oh, yeah. And that's probably why the burial tradition, you know, it started here and it kept on going right. as long as they were doing their thing. Well, and they get into that. They say, first off, that this pushes the tradition of ship burials in this area back by quite a while. Mm-hmm. They didn't say how far, but like they said, this was the oldest one found in Scandinavia, so right. it pushes it back a long ways. Which shows, like you said, that the people of this area were skilled seafarers. Not only could they build ships much earlier than previously thought of mm-hmm. this size, mm-hmm. but that they, they, you know, revered them enough to, to say, hey, yeah. bury me in that. Yeah, like this yeah. is the thing I want to protect you on your right. way to the underworld or whatever they called it, you know? So, oh, I guess I did write this down. I didn't really remember that. Oh, um, okay. You know, since we were supposed to record this a week ago. <laughs> um, but the Sutton Hoo ship burial in England dates to the early 7th century. Okay. And the earliest previously known Scandinavian ship burials dated to the end of the 8th century. Okay. Yeah, so this predates Sutton Hoo. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Not much, but it does. Yeah, or is it at least contemporaneous? Uh, right? Yeah, I guess it looks like it's more contemporaneous. Well, no, Sutton Hoo is the early 7th century, which would be the... Early 600s, yes? Am I doing uh, that correct? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then this one is 700. 700. So, so the son who's a little bit older. son who is a little bit older, but yeah. older, but not by a lot. I mean, this is the cool thing about archaeology is you start like dropping those puzzle pieces in between yeah. and you'll get a bigger picture of who was doing what, when, where, and all right. that kind of stuff. Now, Scandinavia and what became Great Britain, that whole big island there, they were... Um, they're not that far apart. Right. That's why Vikings used to like raid up there all the time. Right? Yeah. Um, and why you get ship burials in well, England. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. But they're still not sure if there's a relationship between the traditions of burying right. ship burials in, in yeah. say, Great Britain and ship burials in Scandinavia. There's no reason why they couldn't have been independently developed if well, it was sure. two different seafaring peoples yeah. who I mean, revered ships. I mean, they lived on an island. Yeah, totally. So. so. There are large unexplored burial mounds in Norway. That's oh, what yeah. I'm saying. Like, yeah. There's so just there like could be more. Lots of stuff they could be finding there. Yeah. Um, the town of Leka is situated on a centuries old shipping route. So mm-hmm. the tradition of seafaring in this area goes back thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This actual site here, this is pretty interesting, was 
excavated several times in the 18th century, according to historical documents. Workers removed objects, including a seated skeleton with a sword. I'm guessing oh, that's the guy. Oh, that would be the guy. Yeah. yeah. Animal bones, charcoal, iron nails, and a bronze kettle. They've all been lost since the 1920s. That's like so typical yeah. of that type of archaeology in the 18th century, right? Where yep. they get in and grab the goods, but they don't don't worry about the context because it just wasn't yeah. important at that time. They probably didn't even know that they were pulling the skeleton out of a ship. Right. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. All right. Well, now we're going to go to Sweden and find a big sword, but no ship. So I don't know where the ship went. <laughs> anyway, back in a minute. Oh, it's terrible. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Welcome back to episode 247 of News from the North. <laughs> so this next one is from Sweden. Uh-huh. Sweden. Sweden. And of course, anytime you dig something up in anywhere in Europe or Scandinavia <laughs> or wherever, like a parking lot or uh-huh. a park or something like that, you find stuff. Yeah. Because nobody cared when they covered it all up 60 years ago. Yeah. yeah. True. And so. there's a lot to find, too. A lot of occupation over the years there. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm just wondering why they haven't all been excavated. <laughs> Like every single thing. Well, like we said, you know, can't always do it. Don't always want to do it. Actually, I've heard parking lots are actually really good at protecting sites, too. Oh, yeah, of course. Because, I mean, yeah, you got to dig into the ground to put the parking lot down. So, like, hopefully you're not going deep enough. From science? Well, no, from, like, getting damaged by looters and stuff like that. By science. Well, not everything needs to be excavated. Like, if there's a site that you're not going to learn anything more and not going to add anything to the archaeological record, then what's the point in excavating it? How do you know until you do it? (laughs) <laughs> oh, you're so annoying. <laughs> so this was under Lila Torg Square in Holmstad and researchers... Why do you pronounce all Scandinavian words like that? Lila Torg Square in Holmstad. <laughs> researchers found 49 graves from the middle medieval period total under this little town square here. Mm-hmm. They were under what was originally a convent that functioned from 1494 to 1531. Literally haunted. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of stuff built on top of graveyards, so I suppose yeah. it makes sense. 
Now, one of the graves stood out, and this is weird to me, but it's a tall, elite man at a convent, but sure, okay. Well, it's just under the convent. This is me yeah. being buried by the convent. Yeah, true. Yeah. But- This stuff all could have been there for hundreds of years before that. How do you know if they're associated or not? You'd have to find yeah. more evidence to, to make that connection, but yeah. So the man was six foot two with a long sword resting on his left side. It makes you wonder if it- started on his left side in like a scabbard or something like that or because a lot of times they're laid with it on their chest oh but as the body and burial would have decomposed i wonder if it like fell over or something it's interesting it they didn't really have. talk about it i mean the only thing i can think of that is evidence of swords being on your center is from like lord of the rings so i'm not sure if that actually happened in real life or not right right <laughs> well, i believe the knights templar were buried that way too in indiana Jones. oh were they yeah. okay yeah so obviously yeah <laughs> take a look at the picture in the article linked in the show notes they say it's well preserved. I mean, I've never found a sword that doesn't look super great, but well, it's all you know, there it's all rusty mostly. And I wonder what it looks like all cleaned up because that's not cleaned up. The picture that they've got I there. I wonder if you can clean it up without damaging it too. Well, yeah, clean it up to a point, right? Yeah, so it's still rusted out a bit, but yeah, it is. But it does look like a, a long piece, and I think that you often find them in broken bits when they've been corroded yeah. super badly. So maybe this is good preservation for in that respect. They don't really mention the hilt or anything either, but the blade itself measured four feet in length. Wow. Yeah. yeah. The hilt may not have made it. They're usually, well, they're sometimes wood. Not always, though. They it could have been metal. Yeah. Could have been something else. But I mean, by the, a picture of it. by medieval times, you would think it would have been metal of some sort, but who it knows? Depend it, on the person. Yeah, I guess it would. Yeah. yeah. An x-ray of the sword showed an inlaid decoration of two crosses that were made of a precious metal. I think that what gave them the idea that this was more related to an elite person. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Now, I did look at this next piece here. If you click on a link in the article, it takes you over to the Facebook page of the Cultural Environment of Holland, H-A-L-L-A-N-D Facebook page, and they took an x-ray of it. So you can actually, oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's hard to really see the inlay. You really have to kind of zoom in on it. I, I'm not sure if I could even see it or if I was making it up. Oh, I see it because they, yeah. they have a zoomed in picture of it. It is like confusing why why they're where they are, like why there? Yeah. You know, there's sort of just a little bit up from where the hilt would have been. And you're right. The hilt is gone because there's like that yeah. that piece that would have stuck Jams into the into hilt. Yeah, yeah. But the hilt itself is is yeah. long gone. But mm. yeah, like why are the why are those crosses there? And are they actually crosses? They're they're yeah. cross shaped on one end, but the other end looks like a whale tail. So I don't know. Killing for God. <laughs> All right. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, they said that swords of this age are rarely found because they just don't last in the soil. Yeah. You know, they decompose completely. It makes me wonder what's different about the soil here. Yeah, that it, that would be, yeah. be interesting to find out for sure. Well, anyway, they sent it to a lab for preservation and they'll find out more later. Mm -hmm. So This is kind of just like the first announcement of yeah. what they found and here's some cool pictures and in fact, I think it was a press there. release. Yeah. 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 So it's really, really, really preliminary here. Mm-hmm. The town of Holmstead, in case you're wondering, is about 270 miles southwest of Stockholm, Sweden. So getting getting way down there. Yeah. But also so, way up there. Also way up there. <laughs> wow. That's funny. <laughs> Except it's not. All right. Well, just like that comedy gold, we're going to move over <laughs> to Norway to talk about some real gold on the other side Don't of the break. Don't be mean to me. <laughs> You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. 
LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. All right, welcome back to... Episode 247 of the Archaeology Show. And now we are headed back to Norway. And we're going to talk about a metal detectorist find. Again, why doesn't everyone own a shovel and a metal detector? <laughs> because you just find cool stuff no matter what you do. I just, I think it's the rare, the rarity of the finds makes it, it would be hard for me to keep doing it and is not rare, finding things. Is rare announcing it like 10 times a year? I mean, seriously. Well, yeah. Say like we talk about it all the time. It does seem that way, yeah. but I think it's probably, there's a lot more metal detectors out there finding nothing than the ones that are finding really cool stuff like this. Well, Ingar Carlson's not one of them. He was out scanning a plowed field near Inderoy when he found what looked like a golden rope. This thing is super cool, by the way. Yeah, um, it's you really need to take neat. a look. The picture is really cool. Yeah, it was short with some of an oval shape. And, and in fact, he's holding it in his hand in the first picture in the article, yeah. uh, which I don't think I realized the first time around. It's quite small, yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's about lengthwise, just like not even palm sized. Right. So it's pretty small and thin. He reported the discovery to archaeologists who identified it as a rare type of gold bracelet from the Bronze Age. And now knowing it's a bracelet, you can totally see how that's what it is because if the end just sort of bends back out a little bit, you could absolutely wear that right on your wrist. That would be really, really pretty, actually. But this little gold rope thing looks like something you'd see out of like a video game where it was given to you by a god or something like that. It's got special powers. Yeah, it does. (laughs) It's really neat. Yeah. The Bronze Age in Norway ranged from about 1800 BCE to 500 BCE, just so you guys know, because as we know, the Bronze Age is different in different places. It is different everywhere, yeah. Yeah. And that's very old, though, for such a beautifully formed bracelet. Well, the age of the bracelet is unknown, but they believe it dates to more than 2,500 years ago. So, Yeah, which would put it, obviously, in that Bronze Age. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They cleaned it up, and... Before cleaning, it just looked kind of like a piece of string. Yeah. Um, but after it was cleaning, it was shiny and delicate, and the design was clearly visible. I mean, this kind of gold doesn't it doesn't rust. Yeah. It doesn't you know fall apart. It doesn't do anything. It's going to be the same. It's going to look like this for you know millennia. Yeah. So the picture is really crazy because you can yeah. see that it's gold when you look at it, and it's like fresh out of the ground with no. No rust, no damage, no corrosion, no nothing. It yeah. it obviously it needed to be cleaned a little bit, but like it it clearly looks like gold in that picture. Yeah, and it must have just come out of the ground. You don't get dirt caked into the the like detail like that unless it's 
been, you know, covered in dirt for 2000 years, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I'm interested in the laws in this area, too, because they said that there were previous excavations actually in this area that revealed 22 skeletons from the Bronze Age. They didn't say whether or not this was directly related, mm-hmm. but I'm like, OK, this guy's metal detectoring in a plowed field that had a Bronze Age burial site in it. And yet he's still allowed to just go out there and, you know, run his metal detector. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, clearly the burials weren't very deep or it's just been, you know, decades and centuries of plowing Mm -hmm. that's just churned everything up. It looks like it would have been extremely valuable to whoever owned it in the Bronze Age. So it actually would be kind of surprising to me if it were buried in a grave, unless it was somebody super important. Grave goods. But I'll tell you what, I'm looking at the end of that bracelet right there. And you know what happens with those kind of bracelets? Hmm. They fall off (laughs) easily, especially if it's too big for you. Yeah. That thing will just pop right off your wrist and you don't even know what's happened. So. Well, I don't think it's loose like rope. I think it's hard. It is hard. But the way the ends come together, like you can, you kind of squirrel your wrist in, in between the ends to get it in there. And if it fits you, then you, it should be a hard, tight fit to get your arm right. in there but if it's too big on you and it slides in too easily then it also slides off really easily and right. that is how you lose a super valuable family heirloom and then you probably get in a lot of trouble with daddy if i had to guess so yeah. that Somebody. that is one possible option you know just fabricating stories about what might or yeah. might not have been about archaeological stuff it's fun <laughs> well they've dug up lots of stuff in norway yeah there's definitely a, a rich archaeological record there and you're right the rarity of this thing they say that only two other bracelets like this have ever been found in norway yeah that they're aware just, of that's just really yeah. cool really really pretty and i think before we end here we have to give a quick shout out to aspen Fluga, Flugoft? Flugo, Flugoft? No, that's not how you pronounce it. <laughs> I don't know how you... <laughs> Hold on, where's her name at? Aspen Flugoft. <laughs> Sorry, Aspen. You have a beautiful name. Because <laughs> this story was written by her and also the previous story. And so, you know, I love finding a journalist who is putting some work in on yeah. reporting on cool archaeology and... That's just really neat to find two articles kind of randomly from the same person. They also kind of seem to have been like from maybe the same publication as well. It's unclear, but yeah, it's, I got the same message telling me to subscribe on both of them, but they're different websites and different publications. So they must be related somehow. And she's, you know, probably a freelancer writing up articles and selling them. Probably. They, the websites do look very similar when you start looking at like the structure of them. They're like dumb websites too, like Belleville News Democrat. And then the, the Sun News, like I'm actually like, are these real publications? I don't know, but either way, the archaeology looks yeah. real, and the writing is well reported, and it looks great. Yeah, she did a good job. Yep. So, all right, well, that is, I mean, pretty much it for this time around. It's kind of short and sweet today. Yep. You know, there were some short articles, but they, I liked how they, they all were kind of from the same area. Yeah. And and just some really interesting stuff that's coming out of Scandinavia. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So. Well, it's not really a whole lot more to say. No. I guess we'll, uh, we had a long drive day, long so drive day. we made some quick spaghetti. We're going to have a yep. glass of wine, sit down and chill. And then we're going to do the whole entire thing again tomorrow. Yeah, so we're headed across the country. We are. We're doing Alabama to Arizona in three days. Yeah. So wish us luck because that that is a long, hard push for an RV. So And part of it possibly through Winter Storm Ember. We yeah. already saw some snow today. We did hit a little bit of snow today. It didn't seem too no, bad, though. You no. seemed like you were fine. No, the road fine. was fine. It was yeah. next and landing on the ground. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. it has nothing to do with archaeology. No, it doesn't, but that's right. fine. See you next week. Bye.
Thanks for listening to The Archaeology Show. Feel free to comment and view the show notes on the website at www.archpodnet.com. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ArcPodNet. Music for this show is called I Wish You Would Look from the band Sea Hero. Again, thanks for listening and have an awesome day. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Rachel Roden. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.